Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, April 19th, 2021. Well, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's probably a question you thought about or were asked a long time ago when you were a kid, but how about this? What do you want to be like when you're 85 years old? Uh, Maybe you think of someone you know that's 85 years old and you think about what they're like and maybe you think about, man, when I'm maybe getting up there, maybe towards the end of, of my race here on this earth, what will I be like then? Well, I don't know that there's a better example that you could find in the Bible for what you would want to be like at 85 years old than Caleb. And that's the example that we are going to see today. We're going to see Caleb, somebody that's been around, someone that has seen a lot, but somebody that is still going strong, even at an older age. And we're going to see that as we look at Joshua 13 and 14 today. Now, as we get into this section of Joshua, it talks about some of the land that is still to be conquered, but they've done a a lot of it where they've come in through Jericho and then they've taken Ai and Bethel, which is kind of in the middle of the land of Canaan. And then we read about a big southern campaign where the sun stands still and then a big campaign up to the north. So they've won the big battles and now there's more just kind of some small battles to complete the conquest. But at this point, they're going to kind of, well, divide and conquer. And as they do that, we're going to start reading about the division of the territory among the different tribes. And so we're going to see in chapter 13, it talks about uh, the east side of the Jordan and the two and a half tribes that were going to dwell there. And it goes through all the different cities and rivers and places that would be the boundaries of Uh, where they would live. And then in chapter 14, as it starts to talk about different parts of Canaan, it talks about Caleb. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, comes to to Joshua and says, you know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. And that's going to require us to go back to the book of Numbers and remember the 12 spies that went to spy out the land of Canaan and 10 were bad, two were good, and two good ones were Joshua and Caleb. And because the people listened to the 10 bad spies and complained and even were beginning to turn back to go back to Egypt, that's why they had to wander for 40 years because God's punishment was that all the Grown men at that time were going to die in the wilderness. Out of all of that number, only two were going to go into the promised land. And those two were Joshua and Caleb. And now it has happened. And Caleb says in verse seven, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord your God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. 
I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and for coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord has said. Oh, I love this part. I love how... Caleb, even when he now gets to pick, hey, where where am I going to live in this promised land of which I am one of two people that is still alive from when we first sent out the spies? And he says that he wants this certain hill country. And the reason why he wants it is because the Anakim were there. Now, we don't have a ton of details, but it seems that the Anakim were a large, strong people. Maybe even there were some giants kind of in this race of people. And it talks about how fortified the cities were. And Caleb says, bring it on. That's what I want. These these people, these big people and these fortified cities that everybody else was so scared of 45 years ago, man, I'm still ready. I'm still trusting the promises of God. Let's go get it. Good grief. I want to be like Caleb when I grow up, right? I want to be like Caleb when I am 85 years old. Now, how do you get there? How do you be like Caleb? Well, notice even the words that he says as he's now going out to take over this specific hill country. He, he says, it may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. And so how is he so confident? How is he so strong at 85 years old? Well, he is still trusting the promises of God. That for the last 45 years and even beyond, instead of focusing on his circumstances, He has been focusing on the promises of God. That's what was going on back in Numbers. Everyone else was so terrified by the fortified cities and the big people that they saw. He was trusting God's promises. He was saying, hey, if God has given us this land, we're going to defeat these people. And now 45 years later, he is still thinking the same thing. And even as we think about as we age, do we see our faith getting stronger because we are focused on the promises of God and the more years that we get in this life is basically just more years of seeing God keep his promises. And therefore, as more years go by, our faith only grows because we we know the promises of God, but each passing year we see more and more God keep those promises. I think that's the path to becoming like Caleb, being someone that focuses more on the promises of God than on the circumstances around us. And as time goes on, we keep our focus there and our strength, our faith is only bolstered by seeing God be faithful time and time again. So that even as we get late in life, we'll say, no, bring on this challenge, bring on this difficulty because I'm still trusting the promises of God. I hope that no matter what age you are today, even if you're listening and you are 85 or older, that we would all all be challenged by the example of Caleb and that we would see his faith and how it has grown and really how he was always focused on the promises of God. Next, let's turn our attention back to Romans 
chapter 9. Uh, go to Romans chapter 9. And like we talked about yesterday, we're uh, here in this chapter swimming in the deep end of the theological pool. And what a lot of people want to do is really uh, stay close to where they can grab one of the edges. Uh, and we talked about how two things that we see in this passage that are hard for our finite human minds to put together are God's sovereignty and human responsibility. We believe that God is in control, that God is in control of everything, uh, that he sits in the heavens, he does whatever he pleases. Well, if you think about that for too long, then you're going to think, well, then how are we responsible? But the Bible also makes very clear we are responsible for what we do and we will be judged by God on the basis of what we do. And so looking at what he said uh, in our reading on Saturday in Romans chapter 9, and even how it ended in verse Uh, 18, we're looking at verses 19 through 33 today. In verse 18, he says, So then, he, God, has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. God is going to have mercy on who he wants to have mercy on, and he is going to harden the hearts of the people he wants to harden the hearts over. God is sovereign. And it's as if at this point, Paul can see people clutching to the side of the the theological pool saying, well, what about human responsibility? If that's true, uh, how can we be responsible? And that's the question. Those are the questions that he anticipates in verse 19. He says, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? How can God find fault in us if he decides who's going to get mercy and who is going to be hardened for who can resist his will? And then Paul replies responds with some pretty strong words here in verse 20. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? That's pretty strong language. And another important thing for us to realize, even as we think through some of these issues, is we need to come at it from a posture of humility. We need to come at it with a posture of God is God, I am not, and I'm going to trust what he says. And now again, these are some hard things to understand. Uh, But I think one thought, even as we think about the book of Romans, and even if you look at verse 29, where it says, and as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Uh, That expresses a thought that I think if we step back and look at the whole book of Romans will help us make maybe a little more sense of this in our own minds. But sometimes the problems that we have with God's sovereignty or the idea of something like election is we think of ourselves and we think of humanity kind of almost in this neutral position. And then we start getting concerned when it seems like, well, God is God. If he's hardening whomever he wills and having mercy on whomever he wills, like God's taking this neutral group of people and arbitrarily deciding who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. Well, and that's why a lot of people, I think, struggle with the idea of election. But the problem is that's not a biblical way to understand election because humanity is not neutral. We are sinful people. Think back to Romans chapter 3. Uh, where it says no one is righteous. No, not even one. And and so there we think, no, we are all sinners. We have all sinned. We have all fallen short short of the glory of God. And and therefore we deserve God's judgment. And we are responsible for our 
sin. So we need to honor the justice of God, admit our own sin, and realize God would be right to judge every single one of us because we are all guilty. What's beautiful about what God does is he is freely showing mercy, right? We are not neutral. We are sinners. The amazing thing is that anyone is saved. And that is an amazing and gracious work of God that we see. So that might be one thought that's helpful as we sort through uh, some of this, that really if God was not actively saving people from their sins, we would all be like Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Without God's purpose to show mercy to people, we would all be headed towards judgment, right? I've heard one pastor once say, election isn't keeping anybody out of heaven that would be there, but it's keeping a whole host of people out of hell that would otherwise be there. If it wasn't for God's saving purpose of of grace and showing mercy to whom he wills, right? Heaven would be an empty place because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So hopefully that's just one thought. We're still going to have questions. There's still going to be tensions in our minds between these truths of God is sovereign, yet human beings are responsible. Maybe that's one thought that helps us as we think through some passages like this. And it's, again, important for us to praise God. We want to keep the focus on him. And we see some thoughts that might help us do that in Psalm 48. Today, we're looking at verses 9 through 14. Psalm 48, 9 through 14. And as we look at that, it begins by saying, We have thought on your steadfast love, O God, in the midst of your temple. As your name, O Lord, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. And let's even just think about that in the context of now having read Romans chapter 9, a chapter that does make our heads spin a little bit. And let's stop to praise God for his steadfast love. I think it is accurate when we think about the book of Romans and even we are honest about our own sin and we realize all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? We need to praise God for his steadfast love without which, without him choosing to show mercy to us, we would all be lost and we would all be headed towards judgment. And even let's praise God for how his praise reaches the ends of the earth, that God did have a plan through Jesus Christ to bring salvation to a sinful world. And now here we are 2000 years later, and we have seen now the gospel go all over the globe. And God surely has a plan to save from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And until Christ returns, he is going to continue to work through the church to complete that plan. And we should praise God for that. And then the last phrase there in verse 10, your right hand is filled with righteousness. And even as we sort through passages like Romans chapter 9, no, we praise God. He is righteous. There is surely no fault with him. Well, we wrap up today in Mark chapter 1, looking at verses 29 through 45. Mark 1, 29 through 45. 
And a great passage here, just a line you might skip over if you're reading too fast, is in verse 35, in the middle of what seems like a very busy schedule. He's healing many, many people there in the beginning passage. He's about to go on a tour of preaching and healing more people. But it says in verse 35, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Here we see just a brief reminder of how Jesus prioritized the practice of prayer. And may that be true in our lives. And I'll be curious to know, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was a practice that may even have been a strong part of Caleb's life as well. So may we look at the example of Jesus and also that lesser example of Caleb. And no matter what age we are, may we keep our focus on the promises of God and see our faith continue to grow. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.